0: You are listening to the Advent Teaching Series from Jubilee Church. This series seeks to address the empty promises of religion and express the life that Jesus offers as we celebrate his birth. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Well, if you're new here, my name is Brian Mowry. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, I get asked quite a bit about this, how do sermons get how do you figure out sermons how do they get how do they get kind of organized and all that and I try to look about three to six months out and i 'm thinking about okay, what does the church need to hear you know what 's kind of a healthy diet and and you know what 's God maybe saying to me? Uh, I use that language prophetically you know and, and I try to be three six or more months out and trying to get those series together. Some are topical, some are going through a book of the Bible. And so I, I kind of prayerfully organize that. And then I present it to a few different people and they help shape that name that, um, what about this? What about that? And then, so I I get that down. Then I go after commentaries, um, uh, commentaries, you know, they, they help you understand what, what the verses are saying if you don't know what a commentary is. Uh, and so uh, I go through all those. And then to the week of that I'm supposed to communicate the message, I take Thursdays to just, you know, eight hours on Thursday just to go after it. And I usually prepare all of my messages uh, on Thursday, pretty much get it done. I may have to do a little polishing on Friday or, if I'm honest, I guess Sunday morning. And so we, you know, get, get that ready, going. And, uh, but every once in a while, every once after, God will tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, you know, that thing you have planned, I want to do something different. And so, like, this week on Thursday night, I just, after I pr- did all that preparing, came up, and God's like, hey, I want to do something different. I'm like, um, no, let's not do something different. Uh, let's <laughs> not do that. And he's like, no, for real. And so I'm like, for real? And so he I was like, okay. So we did So I was like, okay, come on. And that's what happened. Um, this. So I had this message, you know, very Advent-y, very, uh, very much Christmassy, very much about... Uh, you know the peace of God, and now i won 't throw that message away, and so like if a year or so from now or longer, if you hear a message about peace and the illustrations seem more adapt to like the christmas season that 's where that message went and so i 'll still use it, but just maybe not when I should use it but so what I felt to say today, what God kind of put on my heart that I want to work on uh, the next day is this word invitation. I want to talk about invitation now there 's something about this because this in this word, this is, uh, it's wrought with possibility. Um, my life, and I think invitations are powerful, my life has been dramatically influenced and affected by invitations. And I know your, yours has as well. When I was 22 years old, I had just graduated college and returned Saint, to St. Louis for a job. And God had dealt powerful with, powerfully with me as it. And so God came to me and dealt with my heart. Uh, but I had no interest in being in a church. I, I didn't want to be in a church. I, I, avoid, I couldn't even probably spell church. I mean, I was just like not even wanting to go there. But somebody invited me to this little church plant that was just getting started called Jubilee Church. And and, and did you go? No, I didn't go. And they invited me again. Did you go? Okay, okay, I'll go. And, and I went. And then the rest is history. I showed up and the rest is history. Was 17 years ago. Now, at the same time... Um, there was this junior in college at Webster University, an art major uh, named Rachel Douglas, uh, who later became Rachel Mowry, spoiler alert. And so the, uh, <laughs> she was invited by this friend named Jody, uh, at the time Jody Lehman, now uh, Jody Keller, who was up here playing the bass. How cool is that, by the way, to have a girl that plays the bass? That's super, <laughs> super cool. It's awesome. And... Um, we just need, like, a girl to play the drums, and it would uh, be even better. The, uh, but she and she – get Judy Keller, she her and her boyfriend at the time, Jeff Keller, now they're married as well. And they got – they came to Jubilee Church, this little plant, and they got powerfully affected by God. They, they were what we call saved. Like, they came, be, began a relationship with Jesus, um, whatever vernacular you want to use. And she goes, and she invites Rachel to Jubilee Church. And so she kept so we're at church together, and we, we've been attending – about four months, and, and we, but we never met. And this church is only like 40 or 50 people, so I don't know how we met. We were just, I guess we were really sporadic at the time, you know, uh, just like some of you <laughs> and you. But we finally met at this event called Mobilize, which we still do for 18 to 29 year olds. And so uh, we, we met, and it was kind of funny because we were like, hey, what church you go to? And they're like, Jubilee. Like, really? I go to that church too, or at least. I say I go to that church, I guess. But anyway, so we met and, and uh, I wasn't very good at inviting, I guess, at the time because I invited her out on a date and she kept saying no. And so like my invitations weren't very powerful, but her, she invited me to go out once. And then I said, out of spite, I wanted to say no, but I said yes. And then, and then I invited her to be married. And then, and then the rest is, history. we have kids together and that have done, affected her life. And here's the thing, and this is humbling to think about this, the domino effect of that person inviting me to Jubilee and Jody inviting Rich, obviously, our kids' lives. But the reality is, I mean, many of you, your lives have been affected by that person inviting that person, inviting me. And in my case, a series of invitations, not just one, but a series of invitations. And here's the point invitations are very, very powerful. Very hum, it's so humbling to say that y- you and I can change someone's trajectory, not just in their life, but forever. Invitations are very, very, very powerful. Of course, the, the best invitation of all is the invitation to the gospel. And, and you, see, you see this very clearly in Isaiah 55, which I'll get there in a minute. But the God, here's the gospel, big picture of the gospel. God created the world and he made it perfect. The world wasn't always this way. didn't always have death. He made the world, and it was perfect. There was no death. There was no disease. Um, you know, the, the lion and the lamb were at peace. Uh, there was wine, but there wasn't drunkenness. Uh, there was food, but there wasn't gluttony. There was marriage, but there wasn't in-laws. I mean, just everything was like, <laughs> everything was like the way it should be. You know what I'm saying? And so like, but then what, what happened is man got it in his heart that he didn't, he didn't trust God. He began to think, and she began to think, like you know, God's holding something behind his back. He's not giving me. He's holding out on us. So I don't trust God. So I'm going to make my own way. That is, that is an event that is known as the fall. That's where sin entered the world. And where sin entered the world, then came tornadoes and death and disease. And the lion does eat the lamb. All kinds of problems happen. There is terrorism. There are all these problems. Now, if, if you and I were God, we're like, man, sirs, I'm right. I try to tell them. You know, I, I did my best. I gave, I, I gave them this environment. They spoiled it like little children running out in the middle of the street. They deserve what they get. That's what you and I would do. But God isn't some absentee landlord who's only interested whether or not we pay the rent. He is a loving father and we are his family. And he wasn't content to see us spiraling out of control, but he devised a plan he devised a plan through his son that would bring redemption, and so he begins to invite people all throughout history, inviting people, calling people back to him, calling people back to peace, pe- calling people back to joy, calling people back to wholeness, and like I said, you could see this best in Isaiah 55. We, I kind of mentioned this a couple weeks ago, and I wouldn't have mentioned it a couple weeks ago if I would have known I was going to preach on it today, but like I said, I wasn't, didn't know I was going to preach this today. So here we go. Isaiah 55.1. This is a great invitation. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk with money and without price. So there's three things about this invitation that I want to chat about. One is, what is being offered? What is being offered in this invitation Secondly, uh, who's invited, and then thirdly, who's doing the inviting? What is being offered? Well, we, we see a few different drakes here. first of all, when, when, this, this, this kind of this is a, this is personifying uh, what's called the the wedding supper of the Lamb. You can read about this in Revelation. God help he all throughout the language he uses words that we can understand like, "Come and eat, okay, I know how to do that. I want to do that so he he uses that language and he mentions it, he mentions. These three drinks, just to say, in heaven it's not going to be a liquid diet. Okay, so don't get worried. But he mentions these three things that mean something. There's water, there's milk, there's wine. In water, he's saying, "Hey, come and get refreshment. Come and get restored. When you are, when you've worked out, um, if you've been out in the desert, if you go out in the desert, or if it's like a hot day in August, you know, you you what you want when you come in and you're hot and tired and thirsty at the end of your rope? You need to be refreshed. You don't go for eggnog. You go for water. You go for what is cool, what is refreshing. And that's what he's saying to us. He's saying, look, I know that you're parched. I know that you're dry. I know that you need refresh. Come and receive refreshment. That's why the psalmist says... My God leads me beside still waters. He restores or slash refreshes my soul. God invites you this morning into a new beginning. He invites you into restoration. He invites you into refreshment. He says, come sit at my table. Come and be clean. Come and be restored. Many of us think, well, hey, yeah, I'll be there. I'm I'm on my way. I'm on my way to get better. No, 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 no. You're you're not going to clean yourself up. You're not going to, it's not the way it's going to work. The way you are in your filth and your stank, come to me and I will Cleanse you. I will forgive you. I will wash you white as snow. I will restore your soul. He offers you that this morning, if that's for you. Are. And then, secondly, he offers us milk. Now, now, by the way, to the Hebrew in Isaiah. Did you know the Bible wasn't written in English? Do you know that? I know it's hard to believe, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was written in this language called the Hebrew language, and they. Uh, to the Hebrew, um, milk wasn't a good drink. It wasn't a bad drink. It was a sustaining drink, just like it is today. Like you, an infant, you know, t- t- to see the infant grow and grow and grow, you give them milk, and, and, and they, they, you give them nourishment, you give them, you give them that strength, and they grow and they go and they and they develop. And milk corresponds to our ongoing need for nourishment, for strength. And some of us are weak. We don't want to be weak. We don't be fragile. We don't want. We don't want to lack. But we, we need this strength. And he's saying, look, I, I'm not just going to restore you and f- refresh you and say, okay, see you in heaven. But I want to I want to give you strength for your soul. I'm inviting you into that. And then he says, come and drink wine. And to the Hebrew, wine was inseparably linked to the party. And just to say, I don't know what your denominational background is, but when the Bible talks about wine, it really does mean wine. It, it, I mean, it's crazy that some people, ah, oh, this is great. So, Ephesians 5 says, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. And we all know that grape juice makes you go crazy, right? Like that's, that is what, we all know that, that's what it really is. No, it really is the kind of wine that has alcohol in it. That's why everyone called Jesus a drunkard, a friend of sinners, because he was always at these parties that had wine with alcohol in them. Okay, and so... God has hard, here's the point though, God has hardwired us to want to celebrate. It's in us to to want to, we don't just want to have our sins forgiven. We just don't want to be refreshed. We just don't want to be nourished. We want joy. We want deep, deep sustaining joy. And he's created you for that. If you read through Leviticus, and I just, by the way, I just want to time out here, encourage you um, to come and, and participate. We're doing this tour through the Bible. And you, could, you can come live to these seminars and, and do the reading yourself. And you can watch on video and follow these along. But it, it, to, uh, to get a good understanding of God's word, to get God's word in you, and you'll make the most of God's word and make the most of really your life through that. And if you, when you go through Leviticus like they will in March, one of the things you'll find out is that, that God commanded his people to party. God commanded it. He says, if you don't party, you're not a part of his community. 50 days, you take 50 days off work, you take 10% of your income and they invested it in nothing but parties. It's it's why we're hardwired. It's It's why we worship the way we do. It's why there's singing, there's dancing, there's clapping, there's rejoicing. Some, some of you are like, man, I just thought somebody had a question. That's why they raised their hand. And look, that person over there, they got a question. Oh, that person's got two questions. I mean, just like you just... But no, it, it is. It's, it's, it's a rejoicing because that's the way God's made us to do. And so God wants us. We, we want to live and not die. We want to be strong. Uh, but no matter—but even if we have all that, no matter how stoic, no matter how unemotional, no matter how laid back, no matter how poker-faced, you and I, there's something in us that wants to celebrate, that wants to rejoice That wants to shout. And the invitation is to come and experience not just the water, not just the refreshment, not just the nourishment, but deep and an abiding joy. And he offers that this morning in the gospel. That's what's what's involved in the invitation. The second thing is okay, so who's invited? Well, there's this first group. The first person is the, the broke and the thirsty. It says, You have no money, you who are destitute. You who have no pull, no prestige, no equity, no honor, no nothing, you're you're done. You're at the bottom of the barrel. You've been scraping the bottom of the barrel for some you've nothing, no money. You are in. You come. No strength, no motivation to the broken, to the to the overcome, to the outcast. Come and you're invited in. And I just gotta say, man. I think the church has gotten off because they've hijacked this to think that, you know, that God somehow avoids the sinners. Somehow we do too. No, he came in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our brokenness and our need. I mean, even the fact that he was born in some back alley barn in some podunk town called Bethlehem. Which is like, you know, Potosi, Missouri or something. I mean, just like some small, sorry if you're from Potosi, by the way. Um, but just some nowhere place. He was born, if anything, just say, you know what, I've come for the weak, I've come for the broken, I've come for the poor, I've come for the contrite in heart. He doesn't, if you read through the Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's called the Gospels. If you read through the Gospels. You'll, you'll quickly find that God's heart goes out, for, especially you know, those who are, you know, the drunkards, the, the, the hookers, the, uh, the thieves, the criminals. Those who are lowly in spirit. He says, I've not come for the healthy, I've come for the sick. And so God's heart, so if you're here and you're, you're feeling at the end of your rope, you're broken, you have no equity, no pole, no, you're not, you're just, that's where you're at, his invitation, hey, come. Come, 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 come get water, come get nourishment, come get joy. But then there's a second person, and, and it's hard to see at first, but if, if you're not looking for it, but so verse two, we'll have this up for you as well. It says, why do you spend your money? Okay, so the first group over here, he says, you have no money. And then it says to this group over here, it's apparently you all, the, this group over here, it says, why do you spend your money? This group doesn't have money. It says, you have no money, come. Then he says, oh, but you over here, you over here, you have money. Why do you spend your money for which that is not bread? And why do you spend uh, your money on what it does not satisfy? And so the people over here, they have proceeds. they have pull, they have money in the bank, they have strength. Because they have strength, they're still working, and because they have money, they're still spending. But what is the result? What does it say? It doesn't satisfy, it's frustration. But they're still searching, they're still experimenting, they're still wondering, they're still going after, there's still money in the bank, there's still strength in their bodies. They go after bread, which is not satisfied. It's like, you no, know, if, I, if, I, if I make this level of income, then I'll be there, then everything will be as it should be. You get to that level of income and it's not what it is. So you go, okay, well, maybe it's this level of income. If I just get this job, then I'll be, it's not that job, and so it's something else. If it's this relationship, okay, it's not that relationship, it's this relationship, it's that relationship. And you just keep searching, you're searching, and it doesn't satisfy. And if you're honest, when you lay your head on your pillow at night, it's just you and your thoughts. You know that that's true. You have this gnawing inside of you that says, even though I have money in the bank, even though I have the job I want, the relationships I want, it's still not enough. You do have pull. You are the pretty people. You do get invited to stuff. So the invitation goes out to the broken and the needy, those who are spiritually bankrupt and know it. But it also goes out to the the spiritually bankrupt, but they don't know it. The invitation is to both groups, which is really So who does the inviting? Who does the inviting? Who are the ones that are meant to be the link between those who are broken and needy and know it, those who are broken and needy and don't know it, in God's refreshment, His strength, and His joy? Who is the link? It's you and I. And that's a bad plan. That's a really bad... You see, if I was God, I mean, I just... I'd pull up open the sky and say, I'm God, and you're not, you know, come or, you know, go away. I mean, that's, that would be it. That would be, the, I, that's all I would do, and you probably would too. Um, you may say a little nicer than that, but basically that's what you'd say. And so, but God says, he doesn't do that. He uses you and I. He somehow includes us in the process. One of the key themes of the Bible is the way that people find their way back to God is through people it's the those who have been invited do the inviting those who have been rescued are the ones who are doing the rescuing those who have received the redemptive love of God are not meant to be cul-de-sacs of that love but are meant to be conduits of that love to other people this is one of the massive themes in the bible huge theme you can go anywhere from genesis to revelation and you are going to pick up on this theme you read about the life of Moses through exodus God sees the torment and the bondage of his people in Egypt. And he says, I want to go display my power. I want to go free my people. No, what he doesn't do, he doesn't just show up on the screen and say, hey, come on, guys, let's get out of here. But he comes to Moses at this bush and he says, I want you to go be me. I want you to go be my mouthpiece. I want you to go tell the most powerful man in the universe, Pharaoh at the time, I want you to go tell him to let my people go. And Moses is like, "Uh, no, please. And so he argues with God, which doesn't work, and he ends up going. And, he, and, he, and he, invites, he invites his people out of bondage into what's called the promised land, which is what you and I do. And then Isaiah. I mean, Isaiah, this, what we're reading, Isaiah 55. You see, in, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there are these books called the prophets. And prophets proclaim the word of God, which actually, if you're a Christian here this morning, I know not everyone is, but if you're a Christian here this morning, you're meant to be a prophetic people, which means that you, all that it, all it means is you speak what, the words of God. You speak out what God says. And so, what in Isaiah, so God says, hey, you know, I've got this message of forgiveness, of, of nourishment, of strength, and of joy. Who, who's going to go tell the people who need to hear that? And, and, and Isaiah's like, here I am. Send me. I'll do it. I'll, I'll go invite. I'll and then when Jesus comes on the scene in what's called the Sermon on the Mount... This is like his very first sermon, and he gathers this kind of wide cross-section of society together, and he begins to speak potential into them. He, begin, he begins to speak identity into them. He's going to say, hey, this is what my people are like, and he says, this is what you are. Let me tell you who you are. You are no less than the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. You are the salt of the earth. And then at the end of his life, his last message he says to his people he says, oh, by the way, don't forget, you are to be my witnesses. And Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And he's gone. And all in the middle, he's he's saying that over and over and over again. I've come to invite people close. I've come to invite people in. And I want you to be involved in the process. And even so much so, he tells a story. It's called a parable in Luke 14. The parable of the great banquet. And it's to personify people coming and receiving this refreshment, this nourishment, this joy found in God and God alone. And he says, okay, now you who've been invited in, which is you and I, if you're a Christ follower here this morning, that you go invite. Here's the list. Go invite them. Here are the people I put in your life. Go invite them. And he come back and says, guess what? We've invited them all and they're all in in your room. And he says, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, that's not enough. There's still empty spots. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out into the highways and the byways, and I want you to compel them to come in. My house will be full. Now, brothers and sisters, here's what I want to say to you this morning. There are still empty seats at the king's table. If it wasn't true, we would the the, the dinner would commence. There are still empty seats. God comes to encourage Paul in Acts 17. He says, hey, don't give up. I know it's hard, but don't give up. There are still many people. There are still many of my people in this city. Here's the thing. There are many people in the St. Louis area, in the lake, in Washington, all throughout that God wants at the table. And you may be the only person who can invite them. There is great purpose that God has for your life. You are uniquely you, your personality, your background, your history, how you came to Jesus wasn't an accident. It wasn't just like, well, this is how it happened. The reason why your story is your story is because there's other people that God wants to use your story, your experience, your interest, your geography. He wants to use all of that It's all just one big setup for you to invite people in. Your job is not for a paycheck. Your job is a cross section to where you can invite people in. Your neighborhood is not just because you like to live there. Your neighborhood is there. It's just a big setup for you to invite people in. The people that you'll meet today, your waitress, the people you walk by. It's all just a big setup so you can and invite them in. Well, who do you invite? Well, let me say this. Why am I even bringing this up? Well, I I do believe God tapped me on the shoulder, but this is, we're getting ready to enter just prime, prime opportunities to invite people. One is January. Everyone's like new habits, new, all that. And so they're they're just more open to it. But the mother of all opportunities is Christmas. I mean, people have like baby Jesus in their yard. I mean, if you can't invite anyone at Christmas, I mean, I don't don't know when it's ever gonna happen. Like people are like open to this. Right? And I got a little chart. But it's at times that you and all your friends have been more, have been, uh, more open to considering matters of faith. And that's, there's a bunch there. And if you really want to see this later, uh, somebody will send it to you. Um, if you ask for it nicely. Uh, but on the top there is during the holiday season, 47% more likely, more, more open to matters of faith. That's a big percentage. Let me just take the St. Louis area alone. Conservatively, there's, there's at least two million people who are unchurched, distant from God. There are a million people that in November, if you would invite them, say, no, nah, thanks. That if you invite them now, we'll say, okay. A million people. This is a huge opportunity. One of the things it says in Ephesians 5 is to... To, be, to, to live as wise, not as unwise, and to be mindful of times, to be aware of the upper times, to, to make the best use of time. We want to make the best use of time. We, we, we want to take advantage of these. And this is a huge opportunity to, to, to invite. And you need to be, inv- who do you invite? We invite friends, coworkers, neighbors. You invite those. But you also, I want to encourage you to, to listen out for people that you would just come across and listen out what I call the three little knots: not in church, not going well, not prepared for. Look for people who are not in church, not going well, not prepared for. Not in church. I'm not in church right now. I'm kind of you know I'm new. i new to the city. Um, you know, I just moved here. I'm not a church person. Okay, there's someone. Not, not going well. Not, my kids aren't things with my kids aren't going well. My job's not going well. My marriage isn't going well. My health isn't going well. The world isn't going well. Just not going well. The third knot, not prepared for. We just had our first child. Just got married just got divorced, just uh, just put our first kid in school, not prepared for. Listen for these three. Anytime you hear this over the f- next few weeks, if it's someone you know or someone you don't know, just say, really? You should come to my church. Man, things just aren't going well. Really? You should come to my church. Man, I just, you know, I just, you know, I don't know what to do. You know, my, I just, I got this teenager. Oh, really? You should come to my church. That's all you have to do. Just invite them. Do you know what will happen if you invite them? I don't know. Nobody knows. You know what happens if you don't invite them, though? <coughs> Nothing. It's kind of the, the risk in that. But know that God has called you to stand in the gap and to invite them. I mean, a few weeks ago, our, our three kids invited some of their friends from school over and their parents came. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for this. So I'm listening. I'm asking gay ask questions. First person. They go to this church on the street. Okay, next. Okay. Next person. They go to they go to church too. Oh my gosh. Next person. How's your marriage? Great. Okay. How's your, you know, I'm kidding. How, how's your job? This is going great. I'm listening. I'm listening. And then they're like, but I don't know. You know, I've just I've got kids in elementary school, and I've got this, I'm getting ready to have this teenager and da-da-da-da. Middle school. What am I gonna do? I'm like, really? You should come to my church. Now they haven't come yet. But that, whether they come or not, it doesn't matter. I, the part of that's like God working on their heart to figure it out. My part is just to invite. Really? Just come on on. I just want to encourage you to, to invite. And in this season in particular, man, I would be, I would be get, get in the zone of inviting. And this is really important for two reasons. One is the obvious that we've already talked about, that people's forevers are hanging in the balance. Not just their life. This is, this, you're changing the trajectory of That's a It's a long time. There are people that God wants at his table that you are uniquely positioned to invite. Uh, and that's not meant to be a pressure to you. That's meant to be received as a privilege. Man, I get to do this. God has handpicked people just for me. And so I would encourage you just to think that. Don't think, you know, just think everyone. Like you're the only one who can invite them. Just go after it. The second reason why you need to do this, you need to do it for them, those who are invited, but you need to do this for you. You need to be an inviter. You need to be an inviter. One reason is because you, this is your identity. You are the light of the world. You are this, you, you are to be my witnesses, Jesus says to us. Your very purpose in life is to be lived out as a witness, as an inviter. If you don't invite, if you're not an inviter, if you're not actively as a witness, you're going to have this kind of Christian life that's just kind of like, well, I do church, and I do my job, and I do my hobby, and it's kind of all, you know, they're, they have equal amount of importance, sometimes more than in others, and you just don't really even get it. You're kind of like up and down in your Christian life, and, you, and there's still like this sense of like I'm not really doing – the reason why you're not doing it, because this is what you're made to be. This is Your, your purpose is to be a witness. It's to be an inviter. It's to be a conduit. And the, the, the joy and the thrill, the joy and the thrill of inviting someone who comes to know Jesus is awesome. Some of you know that. Some of you know that thrill. Some of you used to know that thrill. I just, I just think that we should, I feel like God spoke something in me to speak to you to say, hey man, let's, let's get back into this. Let's remember what he is. So you need to do this for you. But you also need to be an inviter to get why we do church the way we do church. When you, when you, the question, why do we greet the way we do? Why do we do kids the way we do? Why do we do services the way we do? Why, you know, why do we sing these songs but not these songs? Why do we worship this long but not this long? How can you preach this way? How can you how can, how can do all these things? You, those questions go away when you invite someone. You have someone. When you come up, when you invite someone and you show up, like actually, so like before 11, like you, you come they come before 11, that's what guests do, and you look around and there's like hardly anyone here. You're like, man, I wish some of my friends were here. I, I, I want them to meet them. I want them to invite them. You begin to understand like, oh man, being here is like a really big deal. When you see them, like, I, hope, I, hope, I hope someone really is nice to them when they walk in. I hope there's a spot for them in the parking lot. You know, I hope. I hope. You know, I hope nothing bad happens. I hope their kids are taken care of. I hope they can find a good seat. I hope the worship is is good, but not, you know, you know it's healthy, not too long, not too short. You know, I hope. You know, I hope all these things. We we organize a lot of what we do through the lens of your friends. To help them understand what's track, what's going on here, we put a lot of effort into a lot of different things. For that reason, why do they keep asking me to serve? Why do they ask me to agree? Why is it such a big deal? Hey, your questions are done when you invite someone. Ah, that's why they do that. Ah, that's why they do this. If you're not an inviter, you'll you'll not get what we do, and you'll complain about the wrong things. And I and I I don't mind that people. I like people complaining as long as they complain about. If they complain like for the right things. But if you don't invite people, you'll just complain about how things affect you. You know, why can't the church be more like this? And what you're really saying is you want the church to be more like that fits what you want. But when you start inviting people, you're like, I want a church, I want a church where my friends feel welcomed. And if you invite people, you get that. And, you'll, and, and, you'll, and as, you, as you greet, and as you do kids, and now you do all the stuff that we do around here, and there's a lot of people who do a lot of things, you'll instinctively know how to do what we do because you're an inviter. It is such a big deal. People's lives are hanging in the balance. It's your purpose, and it's, what we're, it's our collective purpose as a church. The big picture of God is that he's a father going after a family from every tribe and every tongue. And 2,000 years ago, on a quiet night in Bethlehem, this invitation went out. And it was the form of a baby who was wrapped in swathing clothes, lying in a manger. And this is what the angel said. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. And this will be for all people. Everyone's invited. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And they, this is the shepherds, when they saw it, when, those, when they got invited into this, this is what they did. They made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. Let me ask you a question. Are you making known the things that you know concerning this child? Are you inviting people into this? I want to encourage you to step in to being an inviter.